Hey y'all, welcome to Tom Talks. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about... There is a better way. The big squeeze in real estate. Sales reps are not your friend. Big news for Fanny fans. And the gig is up. Hey y'all, welcome to the podcast. My name is Tom Jung, your host. I'm Jack Lisenby, co-host. And we're local Dallas Fort Worth real estate agents. If you are looking to buy or sell, we would love to work with you. You can call, text, email. You can find us at uh, TomsTexasRealty.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at TomsTexasRealty and TikTok at Tom.Things. There's a bug in here. Yeah, there's a fly. Yeah, it's distracting. <laughs> uh, did you have a good weekend? It was a very eventful weekend. Yeah, I had a Halloween party. I went to the Meow Wolf and Grapevine. Um, yes. You know, watched Game of Thrones, the season finale. I, I didn't know. Und- big weekend then for you. Yeah. I was like, I knew how it ended. I just didn't know because, like, I was on the second to last episode and I was like, I still have no idea how they're going to transition from where they are to where I know they're going to be. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like this BS, like, you know, you know, they put a cap on it really yeah, quick. I yeah. was like, mm. Yikes. A lot of people had issues with that. Yeah, I'm trying not to spoil it for anyone else out there who hasn't seen it, even though the series has been out for like, what, eight years now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably longer. Yeah, so this is probably not a spoiler at this point for anybody else. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. I, I do have to give a shout out to uh, Plus One Golf. Okay. Put on a golf tournament last week um, down in Burleson for the uh, AS, ASD. Mm-hmm. They do, um, they work with kids with autism. Nice. Anyways, um, sweet brand. Rocking one of their shirts today. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. So, it's covered in uh, golf carts. Yeah. So, anyways, if you're looking for some golf gear, it's a great place to get it. And, uh, yeah, good people. So, anyways, enough plug. Uh, <laughs> what are we kicking off with today? Uh, so, there is another event going on in Arlington. This is the second one that they've hosted, and they're hoping to make it more of a permanent structure. But what they're doing is they're having an event for people who have, uh, like, low-level misdemeanors, like Class C, things like that, speeding tickets, whatever. Okay. If they're having difficulty paying their tickets, what they're offering instead is instead of paying the fee, you can take a GED course. Hmm. So there's a very strong correlation between lack of education and crime rate. As education goes down for a society, crime rate goes up. So what they're hoping to combat is people who are in um, situations where they may not be able to pay the fee or whatever. Instead of, you know, beating them over the head and being like, oh, well, now you got to do jail time or community service and taking them away from that. If they're going to eat up their time, they want it to be productive for the society that they're trying to rehabilitate them into. I like that. Yeah, same. I saw this. I was like, why are we not funding this? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But basically, so if you've got something like a class C misdemeanor, just like something that, uh, you know, you need to get off the books or whatever. They are, they, if you bring in your pay stubs and you can prove that, like, hey, you can't afford this, you can either do a GED course or you can do, um, you can participate in certain services that they're offering from nonprofits that are going to be there in lieu of the fee. Hmm. One guy actually ended up getting a, um, uh, an associate, he finished his associate's degree and everything and ended up opening a catering service once he was able to complete his his high school courses because of this program from last year. Huh. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, so they're going to have multiple different nonprofit uh, there on site. I don't remember exactly who else is going to be there. A bunch of names that I honestly didn't recognize, but they're offering constructive services and classes to be able to help people out and get them into certain fields that they may not have been able to break into themselves. That's fantastic. So are the programs offered, they're offered for free then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, are they online? 
that's so they may have some online options but yeah. from what i understood they were going to be like in-person classes okay. there is pre-registration that you can do online for this event but it's not necessary you can potentially just walk up and do it and so they hmm. um last year was actually really successful so they got 338 um tickets off of the record in this one day event and 262 of those were in warrant status. Wow. Yeah. So it's also sort of like an amnesty period for these people. So they don't have to go to court and pay all that. I love crap. this. Yeah, I, I love this too. idea. I mean, let's yeah. The only issue I see with it is it's, it is potentially incentivizing crime depending on how you look at it. So you can get your education for free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't go to high school and I don't want to pay for GED courses. Better go speeding. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll factor sure in repeat a offenders. Cap on it, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting, um, though. But right now, so like I said, it's this is only their second annual event. And as far as I know, it's only a day or two. But they're hoping, because they just got a big grant from the uh, Bureau of Justice. It's a really, it's a long mouthful. It's not just a, it's like Bureau of Justice Assistance Fiscal Year 2023 community court incentive program Jesus. yeah i know they couldn't have come up with something shorter i'm just i'm gonna refer to it to the bureau of justice from this point forward but anyway okay. the bureau of justice has um granted a nine hundred thousand dollar grant to the city of arlington to make this a uh, a year-round thing so it's not just going to be this one day event they're hoping to have it as like a, a permanent program interesting like who are they paying the, I assume the people who either run the courses or the um, they're incentivizing the nonprofits in some way, probably with some of the grant money. That's interesting. Like you would think like, well, first of all, the first thing I was thinking of is like an online course or whatever. Yeah. Then like I was just thinking if I was the institution that had the online course and you wanted to do this program, great. Yeah. Like I'm not going to charge you for those people. Um but I do get like if yeah if I mean they got to eat up class space yeah, and time with an instructor and the instructor's doing extra work mm -hmm. like I kind of get it but yeah it'd be nice if this was just like hey this is how we're gonna give back yeah. by not charging people because you you got to think if it, if it's like so if we take last year's number three hundred thirty eight people if you add that to a school curriculum that's already teaching probably a couple thousand people and mm -hmm. they only have to do it for one course yeah it's probably not a huge deal yeah it's probably not changing anything right but you also have to take into account in that short span that they were offering this program over three hundred people applied for it so if it's a that's year round true. program could be a lot more it that adds up really quickly yeah it's and that's true. just for the city of Arlington well at the beginning yeah but then as these people get better true it is going to get front loaded kids, mm -hmm. you know grow up. Mm -hmm. Not as many, but yeah, hopefully over time that number goes down. Yeah, and I think this is also cool because it gives people who may not have a, a way to pay for it an out, so that way you don't just have cops knocking on your door one day like, hey, you're served. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, whew, boy, talking about knocks on doors, mm -hmm. you may have a realtor knocking on your door asking if you want to sell because smooth. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of inventory out there right mm -hmm. now. Uh, yeah, so we are going to go transition to your market update. So we just got the numbers. Numbers just came out. For October, wait, yeah, October. October's mm -hmm. over. Uh, yeah. We're in November. Jeez. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, right? And it is a lot of what we suspected here over the last couple of weeks. Um, there's uh, basically a big squeeze going on in real estate uh, by, you know, brought on by the Fed and our crazy spending that just happened over the last, well, since the pandemic, really. Yeah, like three years now. Yeah. And so, you know, all that's coming due. We're going to feel <laughs> the pain for it now. Um, but yeah, so just to hit the numbers real quick, just got a couple for you. The number of closings last month in all of the DFW area 
was 7130 7130 homes okay which is the lowest that we've seen yeah it was like that's like four digits we, we were up in like the 11 12 thousands before yeah yeah this is well so normally this time of year there's less right but mm-hmm. this is the lowest number of closings we've seen in the last 10 years wow yeah so it's it's really really low and then also uh, the the more staggering number was our pendings. So the amount of homes right now in pending status that are set to close this month mm-hmm. are down 25%. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's like a, a sharp decline, which is a result of, you know, the interest rates. We just, I mean, we're above 8% now on a traditional home loan. And, you know, when you factor, when you do the math on that. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, the payments are pretty big. Uh, so for a lot of, like, I mean, at this point too. I mean, I I, I calculated the we, we did this on a podcast a while back, but basically like the break even point, like at what point do interest rates get so high it makes more sense to rent? Mm-hmm. And I think the number was like ten or eleven percent, but we're getting real close. Yeah, to I was it, like right? we're getting really close. Yeah, and that's assuming that the market doesn't go down. So that's the other thing too that we've seen is you know the as far as home prices go, they've stagnated uh, compared to last year, which normally they always. Traditionally, they go up about 4.2% a year. Mm-hmm. We've had some hyper increases over the last few years. Uh, and so this year, uh, we're actually, we slid backwards a little bit. This month over the last month, we're down like half a percent. And I think last month it was like a one and a half percent. So it's, we're definitely lower than mm-hmm. prices this time last year. And it, what's what's happening out there? If you if you've been under a rock, there is uh, the, basically the squeeze going on. Is the rates have gone so high? Nobody wants to sell their house and take on a bigger rate, right? Right. Because you're going to be buying. You're basically trading your house for something smaller if you want to have the same payment. And so people have elected not to move, which is locking up inventory. Mm. And then there's also less buyers that want to pay that amount. Right. You got to think that. Well, man. I'm sitting here thinking, like, because the the median rent around here is like what mid two thousands probably for a, a mm-hmm. house of a comparable size. If you if you bought that house, you'd be paying more on your oh, mortgage. Oh yeah, you're like thirty five hundred to four thousand probably. Yeah, I'm sure the rental you know market will adjust accordingly. But currently, yeah. if you're looking, it doesn't make any sense for these guys. Yeah, so there's going to be an adjustment somewhere. It's going to be an income. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's either going to be wages. It's going to be an increase in. Uh, rental prices or a decrease in home prices, um, and so and the crazy thing about this, the fact that these numbers are falling when we have record growth in population, mm-hmm. that's another thing, right? Like, so this right. is this is like a double whammy. Um, Imagine if we weren't being fed all these workers coming in here for the new jobs and everything. Yeah. Imagine how bad the economy would suffer in this area because yeah, of that. Exactly. Well, and so that's the thing. It's like, what happens next? We've talked about this a little bit because the um, the Fed are going to more than likely, I don't know if it'll be next year or not. I've, I've heard 2025 mm-hmm. um, as well, but sometime probably over the course of the next 18 months, they're going to lower interest rates again, which is going to unlock a lot of this inventory, which then mm-hmm. it's like, what happens? Like, do you get people that are like, wow, there's so much inventory now compared to when there was, mm-hmm. I'm going to be more picky. Or do people go nuts again, drive prices up? Yeah, they're feathering the brake to see yeah. what they need to do. Yeah, but uh, our inventory is climbing um, because of all, because of the squeeze, the inventory is climbing. And uh, normally like around sub- August, at the end of August, September, uh, mm-hmm. If you look at a chart, we kind of see the the number of homes on the market peak, and then it drops off. And a lot of that is due to a lot of people taking their homes off the market uh, during you know 
Christmas season, Thanksgiving, right. yeah, whatever. Yeah, you don't want to add those days on market. Yeah, and so typically, because home sales are also down this time of year, and so you see this kind of little curve that comes down and inventory comes down. Not right now. It's like mm-hmm. spiking Oh, up. wow. Yeah, so it's... Uh, Man, it's an interesting time. And this is, you know, the clients that we've got have been having these conversations. It's like, hey, look, what it was even two months ago is completely different now. And this is this feels a lot like this time last year Mm -hmm. where it seemed like everything just came to a grinding halt for a couple months. Yeah. And those honestly, some of those uh, conversations have gotten a little tense because I understand like nobody wants their house to lose money or anything. But Mm -hmm. it's it's difficult to not be able to see all these numbers and then also try to understand somebody telling you like, Hey, this is okay. This is normal. Whenever your house is still just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Oh gosh. And that's the thing right now. It's like, do you wait? Cause inventory is so low mm-hmm. and, and just keep it where it's at. Or do you drop the price a little bit? See if you can get it sold pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you cut the price, I don't know that it will sell quick. Right. It's we're, I feel like we're at the beginning of a new phase of the market. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. It couldn't have picked the worst time of year to do it either. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of like issue on top of issue. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas. We're having trouble yeah. with homes. <laughs> but my, uh, speaking of issues with your house, this one lady actually ran into quite a few of them when she worked with a builder um, mm. directly, which I feel like was the first problem. But mm, yeah. no one was there, there to tell her otherwise. What? She didn't have a realtor? Yeah. Something went wrong? <laughs> so no way. This lady, um, she was working with Gian Homes, which mm-hmm. is now, I believe, Brightland Homes. Somebody bought them out. Um, uh, I think... Does again, I think they sold part of their company or something, like one division. You know how they yeah. have different product lines? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think Gian Homes is still operating. I think they just sold part of their company off. Because okay. we toured that home the other day, right? Yeah. Um, was that Gian? Oh, that it was, was It was No, no, no. Wait. It was a spinoff. This was over in Walsh. The, uh, they're a new builder oh, over there. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it was like... I forget the name, but I know what you're talking it about. It was like GI Homes or something. I don't remember. Not LGI. It was um, I Am I. No. no. I, anyway, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, It'll yeah, come to me. Yeah. But <laughs> so the part of the company that sold Gian, or that Gian sold became, I believe it's called Brightland Homes. Okay. Uh, I hadn't heard of them, but they ended up building a house for this lady. She was, she's a polio survivor. So she has difficulty walking. She usually uses those crutches, kind of like the kid from uh, Breaking Bad and um, okay. or the braces, whatever they call them. Mm-hmm. But she was talking to the sales rep and she's like, Hey, I want to make some modifications to my home so I can use my wheelchair at home because it's way easier than having to try and balance on these, these crutch things. So to make her life a little bit more energy sensitive, she, uh, coordinated, she wanted like ramp widened doorways, like no steps in the house, you know, typical, uh, ADA compliant access things. Uh, so with all these mods verbally agreed to, handshake, call it a day, deal's done, ready to go. She's This was last year, and this year the house is finished being built. And uh, there's a suspe- suspicious lack of ADA-compliant uh, accessibility features. Mm. Um, notably, her wheelchair didn't even fit through the door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. So looking at the photos, there the, there was a couple of things. So the biggest one was obviously... there. All the doorways were too small. She could not mm-hmm. fit her wheelchair through anything. Uh, and that's without furniture. So, yeah. Uh, like, I think doors are typically 30 inches wide. I don't know what they are for ADA. I think the absolute minimum they can do is 24 inches. Yeah. And most people, uh, most wheelchairs are going to be wider than that. Oh, and yeah, yeah. This yeah, lady, yeah. I think she had a slightly wider one as well. Yeah, I think 30 inches is like 
you have to like a wheelchair you have to do it perfectly not to hit anything yeah no hand, no fingers on the wheels while yeah, you're yeah, going yeah, through yeah. you got to get some speed and just like, <laughs> like coast pray it. that you hit it right yeah uh but yeah so the the doors were the biggest ones and then turns out there's like uh thresholds and steps in the house that she's not able to traverse with the chair mm. so that also made it difficult for her and yep. then they did actually install the ramp into her house but apparently the grade was too steep and this lady wasn't able to very easily you enter her house i saw the photo it didn't look terrible but i've also used a wheelchair before and i know that they're kind of a pain in the butt true um they could have made it slightly less steep or more shallow i guess but mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot to work with there so i, I don't really know what to give them on that one i was one. gonna say you showed me the picture it looked like it was almost out to the sidewalk yeah it was about as far started, as they could so go honestly like, yeah. so i was kind of yeah i don't know if i'm whose side i'm on with that one but yeah. essentially um they they made a, a big stink about this because this is like obviously a lifestyle issue for her sure. it's not just that but it's also a safety issue because sure. if she gets up in the middle of the night and she uses her wheelchair and she can't get in and out of her house what if there's a fire or like a break-in or something like that she can't very readily prepare for an emergency um but brightland they did offer to fix it they came in they fix they offered to fix three of the doors i know really weird uh but they went Out through they reframed three i know there was more than that she <laughs> she, picked like, three doors? she picked like bedroom bathroom and then i think like one other um the front door apparently she was able to get into and out of no problem okay yeah usually your exterior doors are a little mm-hmm. wider so i mean that one wasn't an issue but she didn't get all of the doors adjusted so there's some rooms in her house she can't access Jeez. and then on top of that she's like well i can't even use my laundry room because i don't know if once i put my washer dryer in there i'll be able to get in and out with my chair hmm. like a lot of these issues um just started coming up as she started yeah. living in it and whatnot and I was, I was just very much reminded of the incident we had with Ahmed. So one of our clients ended up buying a house, and I think what Bloomfield, mm-hmm. we had a framing issue with one of the doors. It wasn't oh, yeah, really yeah. a big issue, but if no one had stopped and actually looked at it, it would yeah. never have gotten fixed. Right. And I was the first thing that came to mind was why didn't she have somebody look this over? Because they, whenever they went back through the contract, it wasn't written in there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was just a verbal handshake agreement with the sales rep, and she just expected them to go through with it without ever verifying or anything. Right. Um, and when you're buying a house, like that's the biggest financial purchase a lot of people make. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah for her to go back in and widen these for something like if she was going to pay for this herself, yeah, it's after very the expensive. Fact. Oh, yeah, because they've got to do all sorts of reframing and everything. But it doesn't surprise me at all. This doesn't surprise me one bit because even let's say that the salesperson had the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just from experience, if it's not in the contract, it mm-hmm. doesn't like there are so many different people that contract goes through. And it's like they've got to have an order to do it because if you've been in the building, if you've been building houses long enough, somebody just telling you to do something, you're mm-hmm. going to get in trouble because it's like, yeah, yeah. So everything had there's usually a system for everything. And the fact that it didn't get inputted at the beginning yeah. means the odds of it actually being implemented at the end, very slim, right? Yeah. And like like I said, it's not like uh, Bright, Brightland Homes was trying to be malicious or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like you said, it's just a lot of moving parts between the sales rep down to the guy who has to like tack in the carpet. It, you play a game of telephone, somebody's going to mess something up along the way. Yeah. Not only this, but this is also why we do a walk of the house before you Mm-hmm. close on it like yeah. she should have never closed on that house. because if the, if the builder didn't have it we do and we can verify for them yeah uh, but it, i again i thought it was just a perfect example and it's very unfortunate to this lady because now she's stuck with this house they they have yeah. reached out to try and make a lot of amends but she's in a position where she's like i need a house more than i need to you know start the build process over again right wow yeah <laughs> well good luck to her uh that sucks <laughs> 
sucks. Did you did you have anything else on that? No, no. It's just a uh, you know keep a keep a you know a good realtor in your back Make pocket. Make sure you I hire guess. us. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Uh, <laughs> Not plugging, but kind of plugging. <laughs> uh, cool. We're gonna stay in the realm of real estate and talk about uh, Fanny, mm-hmm. Fanny May. Mm-hmm. Not the not the back end of not the not a fanny pack. Yeah, not a fanny pack, but fanny may. So they uh, made big headlines, kind of. I guess if you're in real estate, it's big headlines. If not, mm. you probably have no idea. But basically, they uh, they lowered the down payment amount for a fourplex to five percent. So previously, oh, wow. yeah, if you were buying a multifamily unit, and this is if you're going to live in it. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is not if you're just going to buy it. Um, and, and rent it. So this is if you're moving in. It used to be 15 to 25 percent, I think, depending on uh, how many units and some other stuff. But anyways, yeah. uh, in November they are. It's November now. Um, later this month they're officially changing it, so you can put as little as five percent down. And this is huge. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but let's run through an example. I'll tell you why this is such a big deal. Because if, um, especially right now, there are very few. I would say in our market, there are very few investment opportunities that make a lot of sense when mm-hmm. it comes to um, single family living or anything like that. And this one, if you're going to be living there, actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. Even with, because what's happened over the last few years is the price of homes gone up so much, taxes have become so expensive, and so has uh, insurance, right? So the numbers to actually cash flow on something that you're just buying outright to rent is extremely difficult. But uh, so I pulled, uh, just to give everybody an example, I pulled a uh, um, a fourplex that just sold in Arlington near UTA. Okay, good spot. Yeah, just running, yeah. You got plenty of people coming in and out of that mm-hmm. area, it's central. Um, and so they sold at 575,000. And so if you were putting 5% down, that's roughly 28,000. And like, so previously you would have had to put like 120 something. Yeah, I was gonna say 15% of that, yikes. Yeah, not many people have that, but hey, maybe you cash out your crypto and you got that 28K or something, I Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But 28, I I feel like that's a feasible number. Yeah. um, If you're you're saving up. But uh, anyways, these are, so these were two twos. Uh, two bedrooms, two baths, mm-hmm. and the average rate for a two two in Arlington is fifty fifteen fifty a month, right? So I'm just going based averages yeah. across the board. Uh, so your mortgage on this at current interest rates is going to be right around fifty eight hundred a month with your insurance and your taxes, right? So did all the math about fifty eight hundred, which is a giant payment, right? Right. But you're getting some rent to offset that. So when it comes down to it, basically when you do the math, you offset the rent. You're paying four hundred dollars a month to live. Yeah, I was gonna say at fifteen hundred a, a a room. Yeah, that, that knocks it down really quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's you you can't you can't rent a place anywhere for four hundred or even oh, double God, that. No. Yeah, not, not legally. Even close. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, number one, it's just a, a fantastic deal, and then number two. Uh, and again, I will we'll link this. I've got a, um, a spreadsheet where you can put in all the stuff on your deal, and it'll tell you, you know, how much you can save on taxes by doing mm-hmm. this rental. It, it everything it factors in, and essentially what this comes out to is if you're looking at wealth, right? So building wealth, yeah. And this is an asset that you're buying. It basically adds fifty thousand dollars a year to your bottom line as far as your net worth goes. Okay. Uh, and, and so that's something, obviously, obviously it's not going to cash flow, you know, but right. when you factor everything else in, 
$50,000 a year is substantial. I was going to say, I had an opportunity to buy a fourplex before the whole COVID thing popped off and whatnot. Mm. And it just wasn't financially a smart decision at the time. Yeah. But if I'd known what I had known now, yeah, man, I would have cashed in. Figured like, <laughs> out how to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, But yeah, so uh, anyways, if you are sitting on some cash, you're thinking about it, now's the time. Give mm-hmm. us a call. Man, that's pretty good. 5%. That's, that's better than some people are getting for... You know the down payments on con, con, uh, conventional loans and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, man, I got a little distracted. Yeah, there you did. I don't know. I was, I was, I was. I had a perfect transition out. and everything. Uh, but speaking of real estate related things that are uh-huh. in the news right now, there was another big issue that uh, was slightly less good news. Okay, <laughs> but the uh, Fed actually, or uh, not the Fed. I'm sorry, a federal jury mm-hmm. had ruled on Tuesday that the NAR, along with several major, like big name brokers, I'm talking like National Association of Realtors. Yeah, NAR stands for National Association of Realtors. Yeah. So the people who have the copyright on the word realtor, mm. and they set a lot of the um, the the what do you call it regulations and stuff that we follow as real estate agents. But them, along with several larger brokers, like talking Keller Williams sized brokers, were um, were found guilty of conspiring to raise commissions mm. on sales of houses. Interesting. So this was actually an antitrust suit that took place in Kansas City, Missouri, with a you know a group of almost five hundred thousand homeowners that got together to put this suit together. Hmm. And when I say it was like basically an open shut case, like it was it took three hours of deliberation on a on a Dang. suit that cost almost two billion dollars. Dang. Yeah. Like they took one look at this thing and were like, yeah, no, these guys are screwed. <laughs> and then they they threw the book at them. So what they ended up doing, they got sued for one point seven eight billion dollars. But that's in treble damages. And for anyone who doesn't know what a trip treble damages are, I believe I'm pronouncing it properly. I assume it's like treble clef. But it basically means that it can be almost tripled if the court so decides. So it's hmm. basically, it's almost like a probationary thing to prevent other people from doing it. Okay. So if like, you know, the company gets sued and then people inside the company keep doing it, then they, it, it's, it incentivizes them because they can continue to be punished upwards to basically $5 billion in total. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So big issue for these guys. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the people who settled out of court before this are kind of like patting themselves on the back, even though they took a good hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was on the pot or not, but yeah, one of them, mm-hmm. the settlement was huge. I didn't get it because that- It was like 55 million or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but I didn't get I, I didn't get the premise of the case, the antitrust thing. It didn't, I couldn't figure out how it really applied. Also not an attorney. Right, yeah. So the biggest issue wasn't necessarily the commission costs themselves, it was more so the fact that uh, they believe that NAR, or rather they found that NAR and these brokerages were collaborating to keep real estate commissions between 5 and 6% through mm. be it advertising campaigns or practices in teaching the real, in coaching the real estate agents and things like that, hmm. uh, instead of allowing for um, basically market. Yeah, them. because the broker sets the commission. Like yeah. at the end of the day, we can say, "Hey, we'll work on this deal for this amount," but the broker is going to come after us for the rest of that if we don't make up X amount in a typical brokerage uh, model. Hmm. And they believe that to be predatory, especially since that all lands on the seller, and the seller doesn't always get to negotiate the buying half of the uh, commission. See, that's interesting because it's not the way I learned it. The mm-hmm. uh, so. Well, I guess the broker does have a say-so in it, yeah. but I started at Keller Williams and, and they basically said, you know, 
mm-hmm. it's up to you what you charge. And, but this is typical. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, which again, this is something that never made sense to me when I got involved is right. why the buyer is, is paid not, for by the seller. Yeah. And so the way that it's set up is technically when you sit down uh, and you go over the listing presentation, the brokerage charges whatever they charge. So if it's 6%, they charge 6%. And in the listing agreement, it says, you know, we are going to pay X amount to a buying agent if they bring us a buyer. Right. And so like, it's all pretty clear in the paperwork. Yeah. Um, but how that's communicated is. Yeah, so that's, and all that paperwork is put together by NAR or in yeah. our case, Trek or TAR. NAR, I think NAR is like uh, the lobbyist group for realtors across yeah. the country. They're actually the largest private organization um, or private business in America. Really? Yes. Huh. And that they have a lot of power. And that's why they believe it may have been conspiratory to begin with, hmm. um, because they're the ones that are enforcing like these statutes are the ones that are writing the contracts these way and things like that. When there's nothing, there's no actual legal precedence for a lot of it hmm. um, the way it is. So I understand economically why the seller pays for it, because they're the ones that are cashing out on this. Yeah. And to facilitate a faster sale, that's a lot easier than buyers who are already shelling out X amount for a down payment, as well as mortgage origination fees, sure. title fees, all these other things, and then to pay roughly six to nine grand for a real estate agent by a 3% uh, commission rate, that can really inhibit a lot of buyers and that would slow down the market. So it's advantageous, not just for the seller, but also for the local market. Yeah. And we so like the big thing now everybody's talking about is like, mm-hmm. how is this going to change things in the industry? Right. And I don't know that it will. Because like, you know, I was talking to another uh, broker today and, you know, He's like, people are concerned that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like the UK or some of these other countries where, Mm -hmm. you know, if you list the property, you get paid and, you know, the buying agents on their own, because in a lot of cases, at least here, the buying agent does a lot more work. It seems like the, if you're, if you're good at the marketing, a lot of times you've got a system in place. Yeah. There's a lot more overlap between the effort you put between listings than there is between buyers. Right. So it's easier to maintain more listings. Yeah. And so, uh, and then, and then I was thinking back to my experience when we were asked to go down to Panama to look into selling a house for a, a client down there. Mm-hmm. And theirs was the same way. Um, and the lady, she was willing to pay us to go down there to do the marketing and everything else. She goes, you know, it, she's like, real estate doesn't work the same way down there. She's like, it, it's like an attorney that sells it and the attorney does no marketing. Hmm. There's no marketing going on. And wow. it's like, they don't really care if it sells or not. If somebody wants to buy something, they'll sell something. Okay. You know, and it's just like, it's a whole different area. So like in terms of efficiency and, and you know, America is probably one of the best systems. I don't know all of them, obviously. There's a lot of countries, but right, yeah. we do a pretty good job of getting things moved. And Yeah, I don't think it's bad. It could probably be optimized, but I feel like yeah. we're on the right track. Yeah. And I think right now the biggest issue isn't just the fact that you know, people are worried about commissions changing, which I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a huge issue, like you said. I don't think it'll, yeah. I think it will facilitate a lot more conversations between um, clients and agents mm-hmm. about that. And there should probably be some changes in the coaching on how to do that effectively and, um, you know, politely as well, because I know that that can be a really big point of contention for people. Sure. Um, but also, I think it sheds a lot of light on NAR themselves, because I know we complain about it a lot. We pay 
we pay these these uh, board dues and these these fees to NAR and TAR and track and all these people. Yeah. And it feels like we don't really get much in, but yeah. in return except like a stamp that says you can be a real estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever you are paying this much for these people, because basically like their role is to be the legal shield. Like they're the ones that represent us as an industry and all these yeah. other things. Our best interests, all right. that kind of thing. And yeah. whenever they went up to bat, they took a big swing and a miss in court. <laughs> yeah. So like, what so, are, so what happened? I don't, so the antitrust thing. Yeah. Do, do you understand like why it would be considered antitrust? Because, because it's not in the, um, it's not in the interest of the consumer. It's in the interest of greed is essentially what it boils down to. It's, oh, so they were saying that they were doing like they collectively got together and say, hey, we're going to try to keep commissions at X correct percent. instead of having a competitive environment where the lowest bidder, you know, gets the deal to help incentivize, you know, effective cost uh, marketing. Right. They're going They're They're basically saying, hey, you can work with us or you can go pound sand. Hmm. And this is our rate. And that's basically what, like, I'm, I don't know the legalese behind it, obviously, and I'm sure yeah. some lawyers over there with, like, smoke coming out of his ears right now. But that's, yeah, it just seems like there would have been more than, like, a, a three-hour deliberation over something like this. Well, that's that's less, yeah, it's less so the complexity of the situation that led to it being three hours deliberation and more so the fact that NER did not present a compelling case at all. Mm. And there was several real estate agents, uh, one notably from Compass, I'm not going to name any names, that some said some very colorful uh, things about NAR after okay. the fact. He's basically like, hey, this was their Super Bowl. This was their time to shine. This is like what they're there for. Right. And they basically crapped the bed and told us to deal with it. Jeez. Yeah. And like, you know, whenever somebody as big as like Keller Williams or uh, I can't even, there was... Um, there was one of them that recently changed names and that's why I can't remember it, but there was like four or five big name, uh, like Remax and Eddie holiday wasn't one of them. And no, those guys, I think they settled out of court, Gotcha. but yeah, like all these guys got wrapped up in it and you could, you would think that somebody like Gary Keller (laughs) with the amount of money his company has would have good lawyers. Yeah. So yeah, they're very expensive lawyers. I know that from personal experience. (laughs) So for, for that to, to go to court and just come back empty handed, you know, crap smeared on their face. Like, well, we did our best. I really doubt they did. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't (laughs) seem like it. No. So it, it, I think that's going to be the bigger bruise than anything. Huh? Very interesting. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of... It, I, and we just had our, our board... Well, I just had my board dues taken out for, what, last month? Yeah. And I'm sitting here with a bitter taste in Dude, my mouth. <laughs> Not only that, but it's like... The thing I've been saying for the last seven years yeah. is they should have put a better... MLS system together mm-hmm. on the on the back end, like for consumers to use. Right. Because basically, the whole time that I got into real estate, I watched Zillow grow, take over Trulia, and everything else. And all they had to do was, was put together a comparable product. Yeah, it was a good UX, and that was about it. Yeah, and it, like it's yeah, it's something that considering all of the like the funding that they get, mm-hmm. they should have been able to figure out how to build software. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, to be fair, I will I will give credit to them they they were the ones that had to put it together whereas zillow just kind of piggybacked off a lot of it as far as the data itself goes oh yeah, yeah. yeah as yeah. far as data composition yeah, or yeah. a compilation goes they yeah but it just seemed like hey the industry's moving forward and then they're like oh. and they're not yeah they're like well we're gonna they tried to stop it from moving forward is mm-hmm. what happened instead of being like okay let's get in front of it right so 
Anyways, I've got my own beefs with. Same. Uh, with them, but. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, I think it boils down to I think commissions are still going to be roughly about that amount because honestly, that's about what it takes to maintain doing this for the time it takes to close a house. I think it's just going to be put in front of consumers more that, hey, you should talk with your agent about it instead of just signing whatever they put down on the table. I'm almost paused. I can almost guarantee we're going to have one more form now mm-hmm. that we're going to have to get signed be, every It's going to be an addendum that we have to include on all our contracts, and it's basically just a boilerplate, yeah. hey, everything's staying the as, same. As if the 40 pages of paperwork before weren't enough. Yeah. But anyways, well, that was a very heavy real estate uh, pod today. Mm-hmm. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, give it a thumbs up or the like or the rating on whatever you're listening on. We always appreciate that. And as always, if you're looking to buy or sell, remember to keep calm. Call Tom.